Sometimes when I'm in the midst of worship, um, even when I'm preaching, I just want to continue on with that. Just, just move in, in the way where we just sing songs of, of gratitude and, and come together and sing in hymns and songs and spiritual songs to one another. Um, but we're going to get on with this sermon series that Village Church is in uh, through the Ten Commandments or the law. Uh, also known as, and, and I was grateful to get to speak on, on behalf of Craig, of, of your lead pastor, and I, I trekked along with where you guys were at up until this point, and I thought, uh, last week, he just knocked it out of the park. I mean, if you didn't go home with something to think about and something to, to digest as, in regards to how you're raising your family and, and how you, and, and there, was, there was things in there that, man, I, I just... I love the leadership that is here at, at Village Church, and I think you guys are highly favored. Um, I, I, I'm just down the road at Fellowship Church at Carroll Stream. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Michael Wood. I'm the youth pastor over at Fellowship Church, and happy to join you guys. We're literally a, a mile down the road, and I had spoken here before, and uh, for those of you that don't remember the sermon, that's okay, um, but it since the last time I've spoke, I spoke here, there's a lot's happened. I mean, the world is crazy. Um, I, I won't even list off like what's going on because you guys have heard it. And trust me, as, as being a, a, a minister, I've talked about it enough. Um, I, I just want to get down to the word of God and and what God sees fit, my life and our lives. Um, but also since the last time I spoke here, my wife and I had a baby. So, yeah, so this, the picture you see is my, nope, go back, go back, go back. No, no, no. So, so this is me and my wife um, before baby, right? This is pre-Nolan, um, and then this is post-Nolan. So this is, this is me and my wife after having our baby, and the next picture is a picture of our family um, together. There's a, um, you see, I made it super spiritual for you guys, so we had the cross in the backdrop and everything, um, but that's our baby Nolan, who's just about to be a year old. And if you see me speak or you've heard me speak, you know that I'm like high energy. Uh, I got nothing on this kid. This kid moves nonstop. He's um, crazy to follow. And, uh, and praise God for my wife, who has been home. Um, I'm also carrying on her job as a therapist via Zoom and in person on some days. Um, we have these great uh, babysitters slash grandparents um, who have just come alongside of us and just offered their services, and um, we couldn't be more grateful for the life that we live uh, that God has given us. Uh, so that's just a bit about me. Um, you guys, as a church, have been going through the Ten Commandments, um, which uh, Craig talked about through the sort of the, the context. You have the first four, right, the relationship with God, um, the obligations, I like how we put that, the obligations to God. And then you have the last six, the obligations to society, right? There's, 
Some things where I, I've heard people talk, talk about the, the Ten Commandments and where they see God as almost like this cosmic killjoy who's here to destroy our fun. So he gave us these rules and regulations and we have to do this, this, and this. Hey, let me show you what C.S. Lewis said about the law. C.S. Lewis said, the law is like the good news of arriving on solid ground after a shortcut gone awry. Through the mud, the muck, and the mire, after fumbling about in the squishy, stinky mess, you are relieved to finally hit something solid. Something you can trust and something you can count on. That's the law. Solid. Something you can trust. Something you can count on. Something that you can rely on. The Lord, our God, has revealed himself through the law. His character, his attributes, who he is, what he desires, his heart's desire for us. That's God's desire. That's God's heart. The law is part of the solid foundation on which we stand in Christ Jesus when the word says we are not under the law, it's telling us this. We're committed to the law as if we're married to the law. The apostle Paul puts it as we're, we're married to the law. We're, we're obligated to carry out our commitment to the law as we would our wife, our husband. The world doesn't see these commandments as we see these commandments. The world that we live in today, um, especially that of murder. The world does not see these commandments, this law, as we, as followers of Jesus Christ, see this law. James says it like this, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not just a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts will be blessed in his doing. I believe that God smiles on his children when we come together and really truthfully open up his word um, to seek to fall deeper in love with him. If I have one goal here today, it's not to get like this fantastic point across that like blows your mind and it's like, oh, I've never noticed that before in scripture. Or it's, it's none of that. It's, it's a hope that your heart turns deeper in love with Jesus Christ, um, our Lord and Savior. That's, that's my one main goal when I preach. I want people to leave with a, with a deeper admiration, with a deeper love, with a deeper reverence uh, of God who called you out of darkness. So let me pray, um, and then we're going to jump into Exodus 20. So let me pray for us. Uh, if, if, you're a, if you're an early Christian or, or, or sort of new to the church, I, I want to tell you a couple things. One, uh, never feel bad uh, about not knowing where Scripture is. Always pray before you open Scripture. Always pray before you open God's Word and ask for wisdom. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we love you. Uh, we thank you. Yeah, we praise you that um, as a group of people, you, you've called us um, from dry bones to an army. 
God, we have a great responsibility to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Uh, so we ask that you, you saturate our hearts with your word so that it would be protected so much from the evil one. But that you move in a way, uh, it doesn't have to be big and dramatic, but that you, you just nudge us to where we should be. Lord, I pray for the person in here who's doubting their faith, uh, uh, who has anger in their heart, um, who, who may have heard last week's sermon and thought, gosh, where do I start? How do I get my kids to honor me? Uh, where, where do I start? Lord, I pray that you know, uh, that you let them know the starting point is here and now. So God, we're going to open your word expecting that you speak to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 1, the word of the Lord says this. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the Father's on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But, I love but God moments in the scripture, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain or without purpose. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse 12, honor, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Let me sidebar for a second here. That's where you guys left off last week. And as much as I'd love to sort of quiz you and say, hey, do you remember what, um, I, I won't put anybody on the spot because I, I also, in youth ministry, we get very embarrassed when we're like, hey, do you remember what I talked about last week? And everybody's like, it's like, oh man, I thought I made a great, so, so we won't, but the word honor means to give weight to, right? When, when I honor something, there was a, a preacher named Alex when we did sermon prep this past week, who gave this great illustration of basically um, you honor the weight of an object. So I pick up a pen with two fingers like this, um, that's giving the weight that it has, and then the same thing where if I pick up 
a music stand with a Bible on it and paperwork, I'm gonna, I can't pick it up the same way as the pen. I got to show it a different honor. And in the same way, God says to honor your parents, right? Honor your mother and father to show the importance of the order. And in the order, you have the parents and the children. Now, our hope is that the parents are doing their job, right? Training their kids up in the ways of the Lord. Um, even if you started late, like myself, I, I have a 13-year-old son who I'm trying to lead up in the first six, of, six years of his life. Uh, first five or six years, I was not walking with the Lord. There was sort of a later start where I, I didn't come in with a heavy hand and say, hey, you got to honor me now. Now's your time. You got to honor me, and you're going to do as I say. Um, what I found was that uh, he followed my actions and not so much my words. Um, right? God calls me to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. So I can spew off scripture all I want to my children, but if I'm not showing the hand of grace, thank you, Pastor Craig, for saying that, the hand of grace as the head of the household, if I'm not showing the hand of grace, I, 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 don't, I don't even sense that I deserve honor. And I, I love I love, I think Pastor Craig was spot on when he talked about that your child doesn't need a friend in the home. My mom, after I got sober and years down the road, my mom came to me and said, man, I was just trying to be your friend. And trust me, this is no dishonor to my mom. My mom was a single mom and she worked her butt off to raise us the right way. No dishonor. But she said, I wanted to be your friend. And I remember it was a pretty weighty conversation. Mom, I didn't need a friend. I needed a mom. And Pastor Craig said it last week, and how true, how true. Our kids today, and I say this from a youth standpoint, I speak at high schools, I, I work a lot with, with teenagers. I, I've never seen, and I don't know because obviously I wasn't around in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, um, but from what I hear, there's, I, I've, I've never seen such dishonorable children, and it, it worries me. It, it worries me. Um, and, and I'm not sure, I don't have no great, like, how to get your, parent, your kids to honor you better. I, I don't have no great advice for that, except get plugged in and get connected with your church. Be a doer of the word. So Craig gives these things last week that I was like, wow. Um, honor. Your father and mother is the first commandment that God gives that's horizontal. There's a good reason for that. The first four, to God, to God, to God. Honor your father and mother. The next, verse 13, you shall not murder. Sounds simple, right? 
<laughs> you shall not murder. Um, we're going to come back to that. Obviously, that's where we're going to camp out today. Um, but just for the, the sake of, of the word of God, I'm going to finish reading a little bit more. Uh, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Through the law, we see that God is God. There is no other. There's no other. There's no other God. So if there's one truth that God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, right? The triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is God. That means that there's one truth, that the others have to be wrong. An observation, just really quickly, uh, that I noticed is if you want to see, look at the, the paradises or the afterlifes of other religions. And they're very fleshly. They're, see, in Christianity and being followers of Jesus, our eternity, our afterlife is eternity with God. We get eternity with God. When you look at other ones, you have virgins, you become a God, you have reincarnation, um, you have fleshly desires. Ours is spiritual. Another thing we see through the law is God is just. God craves harmony between us and him, and God craves harmony for us and our fellow humans. Another thing we see is that God is good. Hey, we got it. <laughs> yeah. I hope you at home were shouting out all the time. And all the time, God is good. Yeah, we have... That's great. There's, um, I love uh, um, reactions. So, and it's amazing the order that we have the commandments, which God delivers, uh, the four obligations to God. Uh, again, thank you, Pastor Craig. And then the four obligations uh, to his creation. We start with honoring the household. And then we must honor life like God honors life. If there's something you take home, something you sort of, um, if we were playing baseball and I was going to throw you things to sort of store in your heart and, and I threw you something, you caught it, you put it, we must honor life like God honors life. So commandment number six, thou shall not murder, right? The certainly sounds like the easiest of them all. Don't murder. Don't murder somebody. Here's the thing. This has had much controversy through the church, um, through church history, uh, because a couple reasons. One, uh, the King James Version, version uh, for those of you, says what? Thou shalt not kill. Right? And when you put the premise around the word kill, you think like, hey, I, I'm not supposed to kill at all, at, at all. So 
You have, if anybody's ever seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, uh, a great movie, a fantastic movie. Mel Gibson directs this movie about Desmond Doss, uh, who's a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, he joins the army as a medic. He, he, he refuses to carry a gun. He will not kill. And his convictions are, are strong. And to be honest with you, I appreciate something like this. So while, while the story is amazing, and I truly believe that God has his hand over this obedient man, um, I, I also see that there's a big difference between premeditated unjust murder in comparison to that of capital punishment, warfare, and prote- protecting your family. There's a big difference. And, and through sermon prep with the fellow preachers, we discuss the differences. And there's significant differences, especially when you go from, from the Hebrew text into the English language. Uh, there's a lot you miss out on. So the Hebrew word here is rasak. And uh, excuse me, I'm a, I'm a 33-year-old guy from Elmwood Park, Illinois. I, my, my Hebrew um, dialect might not be the best. Um, so feel free to correct me or email me afterwards how I pronounce that wrong. The, um, but the Hebrew word is I, rasak, um, which is parallel to unjustified, premeditated murder. As it was amazing that Desmond Doss held true to his convictions and saved these men. Actually, if you look into the interviews, it's incredible what this man had done. We should always be well aware of the context in which the Lord speaks through the Holy Scripture. So, so just as we just finished the Super Bowl, Super Bowl just ended, so just as you're at a football game and you shout, defense, 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 when you open your Bible, you should be shouting, context, context, context. There's, um, we should know uh, context of the word that we live by. And the context shows us this. This commandment is not talking about self-defense. It's not talking about capital punishment. It's not talking about war. It's not talking about uh, protecting your family. Unjustified murder. Premeditated murder. So if you've been in the Carroll Stream area, there's a, a family... Actually, today's the anniversary. A lot of uh, couples and, uh, may celebrate Valentine's Day. Um, does anybody remember Northern Illinois University 13 years ago? Uh, unjustified. So I got to know the, the father a little bit, and uh, Mr. Dubowski. So there was a young girl that's from the Carroll Stream area that was one of the victims of the Northern Illinois shooting. Um, incredible. Moment. So the, the family's a, a family of believers. And uh, the, the dad, while he was driving, after hearing about his daughter's death, felt the word of the Lord on him to say, you must comfort those as the Lord has comforted you. What he did is he prepared himself for um, therapy. So he's a therapist. Uh, and, and re- literally comforting those who have been through the same thing. But the point is, is that Northern Illinois, things like that 
that what we see as murder. That is unjustified murder. When God speaks to Moses and brings the law or the Ten Commandments to him, and under number six, the Lord says, thou shall not murder. It's a simple obligation for us to not murder our fellows, to not murder those who can't defend themselves, and certainly, certainly, certainly to not murder the unborn who God has knitted together in the womb. For those of us that like to compare ourselves, that might be the easiest. Never killed somebody. Never done that. I remember when my mom would get frustrated with me because I was a mischievous kid. So I, I would get in trouble at school or something like that, and my mom was a protective mom, and she would become like my lawyer. What do you mean my son did that? My son wouldn't do something like that. I was like, no, ma'am, we've seen him throw an egg across the, the parking lot. We know he did it. She said, well, why did he do it? Did you do something to him? And then when I would dishonor somebody, my mom would rain down on me. How dare you disrespect your elders? How dare? And I would always say, you're acting like I killed someone. You're acting like I'm, and how many times have we talked to people where it's like, yeah, I've done pretty good things. I think I might go to heaven. I've done pretty good things. At least I never killed someone. See, no murder is showing the highest regard for God because again, he is calling us Honor life as he honors life. And Jesus takes us much deeper. So Matthew 5, Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 21, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Again, Quick sidebar, I, I've had many people question God in a sense of why would God allow murderers and rapists and like, they, you know, they name the evilest of things. Why would God allow these people into heaven? My answer is usually around this verse where I say, I don't know. I know they're subject to judgment. But I do know one thing. If your faith isn't in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you won't be able to find out who's in heaven. Jesus says, anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now watch what he says here. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. I got God too far. I mean, you're talking murderers and anger. There's come on, Lord. There's you know a big difference. Um, Jesus knows our hearts, right? The Creator 
of all things. Jesus compares murder to anger. That's insane to me. And think about this. So John chapter 1, you have, in the beginning was the Word, right? The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus, who is God, the creator of all things, knows your heart a lot better than you know your heart. Don't think you can slide one past him. Like, hey, God, I'm not angry. I, you know, I, the guy just cut me off, and, and now he's driving slower. And, and Lord, I'm not, I'm not angry. Um, I, but truthfully, God knows that what anger does to a heart. So you got be rid of all malice, all anger in the scripture, right? Um, a, an angry word in Proverbs. talks about do not react with an angry word. God wants to be rid of anger because anger is like a, a, a corrosive a, a thread that just drives between our hearts and produces evil. I, I, I'll admit this. I, I, I love being transparent in my preaching, so please don't judge me because we're not supposed to do that. Um, I am an angry person. Usually what happens is I don't respond to my anger properly. Um, but what I do do, what I do is I respond to my anger with the people who are closest to me. I get angry at work, guess where I bring it? I bring it home. I get, I get angry on the road, I bring it home. I get angry with somebody, a brother and sister in Christ at church, I bring it home. This is just the truth. God wants to be rid of the anger in our hearts. See, Jesus knows your heart better than you know your heart. He knows that while you may not murder the person you're angry with, he knows what anger can lead to. See, Jesus knows that anger is the doorway for sin to enter. Genesis 4, the first documented murder of human history Right? The first, think about it, you have all of history. The first documented murder of human history, Cain and Abel. Cain literally murders his brother in the field in cold blood. And I'll tell you what, as a preacher, it's like, it's great to preach on this, and you're like, oh, jealousy of a brother, and look what it can lead to, and, and all that stuff. What does God address right before the murder takes place? If somebody knew that, that would be so impressive. Genesis 4, verses 6 through 7. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? 
The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. What a powerful sentiment. The first murder of history is caused by the anger in Cain's heart. So it's no surprise that Jesus comes to the, these, this great teaching and he says, hey, you heard it said, thou shalt not murder, right? You've, you've heard that before. I know that you have. I tell you, even a person with anger in their hearts is subject to judgment. How profound. And, and then you go to Genesis 4 and right before, this is literally right before Cain brings it, goes in and meets his brother in the field and, and, and hammers him with a rock and kills him. God says, why are you angry? I don't, I don't know where anybody's at. And the great thing about being a guest preacher, is I get to say things, and usually I don't see you guys for a while. So, so if, I, if I bring something that somebody doesn't like, I, I, I don't mind so much because Craig can deal with it next week. There's, uh, but, but, but realistically, I, you know, I've, I've never um, uh, uh, appreciated sort of the, uh, uh, when God's words are used for cheerleading. You know, where you get like the rah, rah, rah type of thing. I always appreciate when God's word brings conviction. Um, there's, there's, and it does it every time, right? Trust me, there's times that we encourage one another. There's times that we mourn with one another. And there is times to be grateful and, and, and lift our voices to the Lord. Um, but when we're in the midst of the assembly of the people and somebody's teaching the word, I pray that we are a people who are convicted by the word of God. And my guess, if you're anything like me, there may be some unaddressed anger in your heart that's holding you back from being the ultimate version of yourself. And I think God wants to be rid of that. I, I, don't, I don't think God wants, to, wants you to hold on to that anger. Um, so so uh, coming from a, a single mother family and then being a, a product myself who is literally, um, I, I have kids that have gone without their father, me, um, because they, they probably have anger stored up just like I had anger towards my father. My anger came out again to the person I was most comfortable with towards my mom. So I would dishonor my mom, and the household. So it was a disorderly approach from the beginning. And that's why I think God, Jesus, addresses anger in the heart because he wants to bring order to our lives. So if we can be rid of this, maybe we can honor life like God honors life.
this message of anger in the hearts and, and murder is very easy to preach uh, to a society that looks the way that our society looks. It's, it's very easy to sort of look out uh, our eyes and say, look at this anger in their hearts and, and these riots and these unjustified uh, abortions and what is going on. But church... Look at our own lives. God addresses Cain and says, sin is crouching at the door right after he asks, why are you angry? See, anger has to be disposed of. Maybe anger has entered your heart because of uncommunicated expectations between you and your spouse. Maybe you have anger in your heart because you feel that God has dealt you an unfair hand. Or maybe your anger is rooted from a deep-seated resentment that you just can't get over. You just don't have the strength to get over it. I'm here to tell you you're right. You can't do it. You can't get over the anger that's in your heart. As a matter of fact, I believe the, the enemy will deceive you and say, hey, you're over it. It's gone. Move on. And then all of a sudden it crops back up somewhere else. See, I can't see anybody's heart in here. I especially can't see your heart at home. Um, but... Jesus, the creator of all things, all things were created through him. He knows your heart. And we must be rid of this anger because truthfully, I don't think that any of us in here are going out to murder anybody. But I would never say that we're not capable of one of the most, one of the ultimate sins, one of the most weighty sins in the eyes of God. Anger is addressed in the heart because it leads, it can lead to murder. That's why Jesus goes deeper and says, hey, congratulations, we're not murderers. But your anger is also subject to judgment. Now, as we grow older, we realize that there are some things that are imprinted on our minds there's something just imprinted on our minds. It, it may be a, a place where you grow up. You know, we're just talking about Fenwick. Where you, uh, a man in here went to Fenwick, and, and there's some things that are imprinted on his mind about his childhood. I, I remember my phone number, and I grew up pretty poor, and we only had uh, one phone number that worked in the 12 different places that we live, but I, I still remember my phone number from a child. Uh, there's, uh, some of you may remember your childhood phone numbers. Um, there's, there's things that are imprinted on, on my mind and on my heart from, from being younger. I remember the Little League baseball team. 
that I played for when we won the championship, the Marlins. Um, I actually, I, me and that coach went back and forth. I didn't honor him properly. Uh, I quit the team. My mom made me go back, apologize, and, uh, and rejoin the team. When we won the championship that year, and, uh, and I learned a lesson on honor. Imagine that. Uh, there's, I, I remember things that are sort of, that have been imprinted in my heart and on my mind. In the same way, as we walk in faith with our Lord Jesus, we should have things imprinted on our hearts. Imprinted in such a way, like tattooed, branded on our hearts to never be forgotten. See, we are not under the law, the New Testament. Instead, we are married to the law. We're obligated to carry it out. An imprint on the heart is to honor those who God honors. We're all created in God's image. We must honor life like God honors life. So how do we get rid of the anger in our hearts? Right? It may be subtle anger. Um, it may be extreme anger. It may be sort of a, a trickling anger like I talked about. I, I bring anger home, and I, gotta, I have to make amends to my family quite often. Um, because I, 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 I react towards them, but they're not the core issue of the problem. See, the anger in my heart is the core issue of the problem. So how do we get rid of the anger in our hearts? One way, we must confess. We must confess, Right? We must confess our sin. So 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, and so I, I grew up, just real quick, again, sidebar, I, I grew up uh, uh, Catholic, and, um, and um, some of my friends went to Catholic school, and, uh, and I remember there's sort of um, Catholic-Christian uh, wars where, like, Christians use this, um, Catholics, Catholics have a bunch of things you need to do uh, to be, but Christians always use this verse. Like, hey, if I'm sinful, all I gotta do is sort of confess, and he's faithful and just, and he forgives, uh, and he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. The word of God is true, and that's very true. Um, but there's also something beyond that. Um, there's fruit that comes from confession. I, I truly believe that there's fruit that should come from confession, and part of that fruit is repentance. Um, I, I, I think confession is great. There needs to be a start. We should be in prayer and confessing our sins to our Father. Um, but there should be a turning from that sin. A repentant heart after the confession. See, when we're angry towards our brother and sister, we're not only dishonoring them, we're dishonoring the Creator. Confession, God is faithful. 
God is just. Upon confession, he will forgive. He will cleanse us. But you better watch out because the Holy Spirit's going to move you in such a way that you might become a whole new person to those around you. Another way to be rid of the anger is reconciliation. So Matthew 5, where we read earlier about the murder, Matthew 5, 23, he goes in and says this. Jesus says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the first, Go and be reconciled. See, he says that right after the anger. Right after he says, anger in your hearts. Go and be reconciled with your brother and sister. Another way to be rid of anger, stay close to the power source. Stay close to the power source. Uh, vacuuming. Think about this for a second. I know it's a strange illustration, but I love this. Uh, so when you're vacuuming, right? You're vacuuming. You start at one side of the room, and, and you start vacuuming, and you're vacuuming, and you're vacuuming. And, and all of a sudden, you're moving on. You're moving on, and all, it comes unplugged. The power shuts down. I see it more and more in the lives of teenagers. Um, and when I look at the teenager's life, and I don't mean no disrespect, I look at their parents, and I see the same thing in their life. They step away from the power source. Right? I'm not really getting anything from my small group. I don't, I don't feel like I'm... Uh, stop it with your feelings, please. I don't feel like my small group is providing. If there's not sin in that small group, you should be in there week in and week out. A disciplined heart is hard to be angry. So when we step away from the power source and we get further away and we get further away and we get further away, all of a sudden, We find just like God told Cain, sin is crouching at the door. The further you are from the power source, the easier it is for sin to enter in. Three ways to keep anger from overruling your hearts. Confession, reconciliation, staying close to God. We must, we must, just like I said in the beginning, we must persevere. We must rise above the culture that we're in. And we must be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Anger. Anger produces a stone-cold heart. 
So the word of the Lord says, thou shall not murder. Again, easy for us to not murder. When Jesus takes us deeper and says, anger becomes a bit different, becomes a bit more realistic. Because we know each and every one of us, you at home, you can point out instances where your anger has overruled you in such a way where it was like, my, my, my following Jesus has to be brought aside for a second because I have red in my eyes and I'm seeing this situation differently. But imagine if you can pray, think, retrain, pray, think, retrain, and react differently. Now, I'll close with letting you know this. I'm just getting better with my anger. I'm, I'm just getting better. Uh, even in the midst of our sermon prep, we came to this Matthew 5, and I, I asked the other preachers, I said, hey, what, when was the last time you guys were angry? And each one of them was able to get a clear instance of a recent time they were angry. Our hearts are deceitful. Sanctification, right? The process of becoming holy um, is the road that we're on. I hope as we have those imprints on our hearts to honor life as God honors life, we remember this. Philippians 4 Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, also some translations say honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for everything that you have gifted with gifted us with. We certainly thank you for conviction. We don't like it, Lord. Um, it, it's rough. It, it puts us through this mud and muck of our own mess. And most of the times, it's things that we created. Um, so God, I, I pray as a people um, that we would, as we come together, as we draw near to you, that you would uh, just stay true to your promises like you always do and draw near to us. Father, I pray for the families. I, I especially, as my, my heart holds a dear place, I pray for the single mothers um, who are raising children without much help. I, I pray that they would be able to, um, one, be shown honor, but also to teach their children how to honor. I pray for the single fathers. I pray for parents as a whole that they would be able to teach honor to their children so that their children would stand apart from what the world looks like. God, I pray that while we're in this world, while, we're, while you have us here, that we, we carry out our tasks as your, your faithful followers, um, that we're a light that's never hidden. 
And I pray that the anger in our hearts um, can be removed and we can be rid of it as we become who you called us to be. Lord, I pray this in your name. Amen.